This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice, and getting future relevant. In 2009, Shrikant Adiga founded Krishagi. Their flagship product is called Open Specimen. It helps clinical research centers in 20 countries manage their biospecimen data in a highly configurable way. Now, Krishagni is unusual in many ways. Uh, it's a bootstrapped company. It works in open source. It has chosen to remain relatively small. So why did they make these choices? Did 2020 reshape their culture, the way they up-level uh, in any significant fashion? So if you are an entrepreneur who prefers small teams, working closely in a, in a product development domain. There's a lot to learn from Shrikant's journey. So uh, Shrikant, welcome to our uh, Choose to Think Smartcast. Thank you, Ramana. So Shrikant, uh, can you tell us briefly about what <clears throat> Shrikant does and what Open Specimen is all about? Sure. So uh, I find it always very hard to you know, explain to people what we do, given the uh, problem that we are solving. So we are a product, software product development company in uh, based in we used to be based in Pune and it, we used to say based in Pune, but now our people are all over India So uh, because of the pandemic. So we are a Pune-based software product company. So we work with academic research centers, for example, Stanford, Johns Hopkins, Oxford, Cambridge, uh, who are doing medical research. For example, a lot of people are today doing uh, COVID-related research. So we initially started, uh, you know, when we started, cancer was, was one of our main uh, disease that we used to work with. So you can think of it more like, uh, you know, when, whenever people do research, for example, when now COVID research is going on, they collect blood uh, or for cancer, they would collect tumor, brain tumor, breast tumor, et cetera. And they're stored in a bank called as biobank. So that is, you can imagine like, my, you know, fridge, a freezer of say minus 80 degrees, et cetera. And then they, whenever someone else comes and says that, okay, I'm doing a, you know, breast cancer research project and, in, and I need hundred samples or 100 tumors, which is, say, between age between 40 to 60, an African-American woman has been smoking this much, you know, they will give 20 parameters. So they should be able to go into a database and search whether they have these kinds of specimens, if they have, which freezer is it in, and, uh, you know, where in the freezer is it located, etc. So it's kind of a sample management software, uh, what is popularly known as LIMS. But it is very dedicated to uh, academic research centers, very dedicated to uh, managing biospecimens, biobanks, biorepositories, etc. So uh, you can also very simplistically, you can think of it as a library management software where you've got books lying in shelves and then the librarian has to search for a specific book, etc. So uh, something very similar. And when you check out, you need to know when did you check it out, whom did you give, when are they giving it back, and how are they going to use it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's that's in some simple terms what we do. So uh, some, I'm sure some of your uh, clients uh, they must be at you know working uh, you know on the forefront of research around COVID nineteen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, tell us something about uh, you know a sense of how you know, you guys have been part of that in some sense, right? So uh, sure, sure. tell us more about that. So, you know, before COVID uh, started, you know, we used to work with a lot of other diseases like mm -hmm. cancer, you know, diabetes or renal, you know, other organs or uh, a lot of Africa-based projects in say pregnancy, child deaths, et cetera, et cetera. So when COVID hit, you know, there were, you know, we were talking to a lot of, before that, 
we were talking to a lot of customers about you know like new customers adopting open specimen etc so we saw suddenly people in you know, urgency in adopting the software because of starting because they got funded for some covid research and in many cases we had to like uh, uh, something that would take say 3 months 6 months uh, had to be done in matter of couple of weeks so that they can quickly start collecting the specimens start recording the specimens etc so uh, it was a very interesting time at the uh, even now we do a, uh, do those kinds of implementations where we get because once people get funded and have the money to get started they want to quickly start quickly recruit patients because you know there are so many covid cases coming in in some you know uh, etc so uh, yeah so we uh, it was a very interesting time in terms of our own product journey because we had to and one of the good things that we had done before covid was that the product itself was highly configurable for mm-hmm. any kind of diseases we also do animal collections we do a you know uh, a, a lot of different kinds of things so it helped us to quickly configure without a lot of efforts without uh, you know say doing a product change or having to build a new covid module etc etc so yeah so it was it was very interesting time so shrikant do you have a background in biology or you know do you uh, what did you have to do to get into this domain <laughs> now so yeah some sometimes people send me mail saying dr rediga and i have to say them no no <laughs> so no i have no uh, biology background in fact i didn't even take biology in 11th and 12th when, when it was an option so uh, the 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 one good part of what we do is we you don't really need a lot of biology background you know it's more common sense related stuff Uh, it's not like say proteomics genomics you know one of those things where you next gen sequencing etc where you really need to understand you know what's dna how you know how what is its structure and all those things so uh, but other than that you know the way i got into all this was in my previous company which was more of a service oriented company where we both met uh, used to work with the customer in the us who's an academic research uh, center and so through that we got funded to develop an open source software for the government for the us government which is nih and national cancer informatics etc so i worked on that project for about 4 5 years and as part of that i visited uh, so i was in us for for a year in that university and also you know visited regularly and we started working with a lot of other universities because of that work so that kind of got into me got me into this world of clinical research informatics you know so informatics for clinical research or software for clinical research etc so otherwise uh, you know, even now i struggle you know one of the uh, one of the initial demos that i was doing when we developed the query interface for our product this was in say 2008 or 2007 so i was trying to give a demo and it was like a conference call full of doctors and you know researchers etc and my query was returning zero results during the live demo so i was trying to figure out as to what wrong am i doing So, and then one of the uh, doctors pointed me out saying shrikant you are trying to look for prostate specimens in females so uh, you know you are not going to get that so uh, which is kind of indication of how much biology <laughs> <laughs> interesting so uh, you know uh, th- there has been a lot of uh, advancements in terms of the intersection between computer science information technology and uh, biology so you are now part of that but uh tell me what you do can it also be considered as part of bioinformatics or is that a separate field or you know demystify some of these terms for us 
yeah bioinformatics specifically is uh, referred to uh, where people do more uh, analysis of the data mm-hmm. uh, you know especially in proteomics genomics next gen sequencing and uh, things like that so for example pune university has a masters in bioinformatics and i think bachelors in bioinformatics we used to hire heavily from them in 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 a earlier or in a couple of people in our current company come from that but what we do is standard software development uh, just that it's used in medical research and we we don't really do uh, bio in you know the core bioinformatics work as such but th- uh, that is uh, that's a completely different domain uh, and uh, a, a very interesting one but not something that we do anything in it right so the other thing that is interesting about what you do is that this is you're part of the open source world yeah so uh, and you know because previously you've been part of a, a services side of a background um, so tell me what is different about working in open source uh, yeah. do you have to have a different mindset or do you uh, you know uh, how how do you treat that world and how do you see that world sure sure yeah i'm 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 a big fan of open source uh, you know pretty much use only open source software for example none of us uh, i never paid a license for microsoft not that i used microsoft ever pirated copies we always used the uh, linux ubuntu mac etc but never uh, i never paid for say microsoft office mm-hmm. uh, i'm so that way we are we are hardcore open source guys uh, and especially in clinical especially in medical research in general a research environment uh, people appreciate the the sense of collaboration the sense of community uh, etc that, that comes along with open source uh, product or that open source mindset as such and uh, similarly you know I, i strongly feel that any public funded government funded project should be open source unless there is a very specific reason why it can't be open source so uh, and and a key reason for existence of our company has been that you know the the uh, us government which funded the project the initial versions of the project kept it open source and when they closed the funding and they said we don't have any more money we want the community to take it forward you know we were able to take that product and there were already people who were using it and then build a commercial open source uh, version on top of it so uh, that is the power of open source and we highlight that a lot when we do our marketing saying that you know you are not at a mercy of a single developer or a single company when something is open source so if you tomorrow don't like us you don't need to come to us you can hire a developer and maintain the software you can hire a it services company and maintain you can do you can gang up with five other customers and you know have your own you can do so many things and tomorrow if we close uh, you know you don't need to bother about oh, what will happen to our product you can still continue using it and maintaining it so uh, and we so we highlight that a lot with our customers so we i i have been uh, and and also open source is the, the key thing about open source is that people are too fixated with their source code mm. which is not really the your your ip or you know like what does it take to build rebuild for someone the same product uh, you know in in a different uh, source code so it's not really big deal to have mm. source code it's it's your ideas it's your vision it's your way you handle the problem the way you know clients pursue you as someone who has been there done that you know all those kinds of things what are you going to do next mm-hmm. with that product what features are you getting and no one is going to take away that from you and that is what is your core competency source code even tomorrow you know you you write something today you rewrite something tomorrow so you know, unless you have like a super secret sauce of building an algorithm that only you know no one else knows like the 
there's no value in your source code in all probability your source code is actually very bad so it does not no you know people who might actually download that source code say you know that's okay i'll just rewrite this one <laughs> interesting okay and uh, and i'm sorry uh, yeah, go ahead. the other advantage of open source which again something that we highlight a lot is that uh, you know we can tell our clients saying that see everyone else is closed source Hmm. we are open source so now you download this software and give it to any security expert any anyone whom you want to audit it and make sure that you know this has no problems with with in terms of security because we work with a lot of patient data hmm. etc now no one does it hmm. but the fact that we tell them this makes them feel that okay you know why are you know that that you know that, that this seems to be a lot more secure than the other whereas the general perception is that oh it is open source then it is not secure because you know somehow people think it's open as in it's the 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 the, the database is open or the the data is open so this helps us a lot and and if you see a lot of you know the last year discussion about arogya setu mm-hmm. app and all those things and wanting to do that open source and then they did some you know namesake open source etc so this you know if they had kept it fully open source from the start there would have been zero controversy interesting so in a sense uh, open source can also be a source of business advantage it doesn't have to of just course. be a philosophy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. in fact true. in fact one founder whom i met i said open source he said open source is a marketing gimmick which in mm. some sense true you know which in mm. some sense uh, you know uh, because if you you know uh, uh, you need a story to tell right how are you different from other so uh, when because there are 100 other similar options available now you can't just compete based on features everyone mm. has by and large 80% same features 20% someone has more some 20% and how long does it take to plug that gap if, if if it is really a critical feature so you finally need to have a good story to say and our story always has been that we are open source so that that right. helped a lot interesting so another component to your story is that uh, you're a product development team uh, you you are also a small team so having worked again contrasting it with you know our regular it service providers because that is based on scale based on a lot of people so is small beautiful and is this you know your decision to be bootstrap to be small was it a very deliberate decision is that how you wanted to do it yeah today today that i work in this mode where our team is they never been more than say 15 people in the last mm-hmm. say 6 uh, to 7 years uh i have a lot of respect and sympathy for the project managers of large groups <laughs> so uh, you know it's it's uh, this is lot more peaceful lot more productive uh, lot more uh, meaningful uh, purposeful etc etc so yeah we uh, it's a very deliberate decision uh, we have the resources to hire lot more people and uh, try to do lot more things but whenever we did that in the past for example you know going going a little back uh, when i came out of of uh, came out and started on my own in 2009 the first thing that i did was try to build a software for doctors uh, mm-hmm. in pune so it was called paper free doctor and this was pretty much even before pacto mm-hmm. uh, or even at least maybe pacto was also small and unknown in bangalore maybe they were trying to do but it is not the name that it is today so uh, and we were a couple of guys you know i had a developer or so i was trying to do again bootstrap and it went well but again but then it didn't work out uh, we had to uh, kind of kill the product because even though we had about 20 25 doctors in pune using it i didn't see a way to scale it because in case of this typical b2c products you need those 
hockey stick scaling and all those things which uh, because we were poor doctor we weren't making a lot of money and i had to go and sit in the opd in between the patients and the medical reps and the doc and the sec and the receptionist was <laughs> for them everyone really is the looks. same but yeah and <laughs> the the very good doctors who had the money and the patients didn't have time for things like this and the other doctors they didn't have patients and didn't have money they had all the time so they would <laughs> so it was so and then so uh, and then we transitioned into a, a typical services model so we had about 50 people working in our company about five six projects purely in clinical research mm-hmm. all in the same domain we used to work with a couple of universities in the us doing similar stuff and uh, so that was a phase of say you know services only and that is where we we saw this potential of you know building this product taking over an open source product of which i was one of the first developers uh, and then continue to make experiments and improve it and uh, you know slowly we started getting more and more customers so at one point we had a time where we had uh, you know equal business in terms of revenue from the product and the services which is when we take a bold decision of saying you know we are going to close down all the services projects so we talked to our customers and said uh, you know oh, let's do a handover in the next 6 months we even gave them resources from the us in you know, our employees who were working on those projects they hired them on h1 even now they are working in the same universities after 10 years so it it kind of worked out very well for both parties and then we then dedicatedly you know focused on the product and that was one of the uh, because it was, because services can be addictive because mm. it's easy money right so you're not right. really uh, you know you have people as long as no one is complaining you know once in a while there is some mail and then you go and handle that situation and then it will keep going and uh, and especially if if you do a good job the customer will give you more projects and but it is also a lot of headache in terms of people hiring then you need infrastructure then you need more office it's it's, a, it's operationally a, mm-hmm. and also the, the bigger part is that you don't really see a meaning in what you're doing because you don't have control over what features get added you don't really can ask a lot of questions because the client has figured everything out whereas when you're doing your own product you know you have a you, you, you know you have a lot more independence lot of uh, you know you can try lot of different things two things work then you can build more things on those two things etc etc et so so that is so uh, so that transition because you know i used to work in a company which was huge even in that company i joined when when the company was about 40 50 people and then it went and when i left it was about 5000 people mm-hmm. and then you know my own journey of being say three people to 50 people and then back to 10 15 people i think this is the best uh, you know of all the worlds that i have seen in terms of uh, how i utilize my own time mm. how the people utilize their time you know uh, during covid uh, i had a few guests who were like staying with me for a couple of weeks and working from here and i saw them on calls almost whole day you know about 6 7 hours and they are always talking to someone and i'm like when do you do your work <laughs> so <laughs> so so uh, you know this so i i yeah i find this mode where you have a small number of people who are very good at what they are doing and uh, therefore you they don't need a lot of handholding and then and especially when you are doing a product it is fairly easy to do that because you got specific things that you want people to learn you got specific things that you want people to get better at etc etc so uh, yeah this this is the uh, yeah small is definitely beautiful small moths uh, you know for example whatsapp when they sold mm. themselves to at 17 billion to 
facebook there were like 35 people you know and and half of them were not even developers you know uh, last week uh, we attended a, attended a webinar vinayak our cto attended a webinar of zeroda hmm. and zeroda has three teams of five developers hmm. you know so uh, <laughs> at at I, i don't know they make some obscene amount of revenue 17000 1700 crores or something like that with 15 developers uh you know they 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 have a much bigger team of sales marketing and all the people who take the calls etc etc run around but the core development team i think is not more than 20 25 people with support and things like that so the most important thing is that with with small team you can control quality a lot mm. you know which is what goes out of hand because then you start making compromises you can't review everything that everyone does you can't uh, mentor people on a one on one basis etc etc so uh, so yeah so that's that's been our small small definitely is better yeah quite a few things that i want to dig deeper into so let's start with uh, your cto vinayak so sure. uh, that is again an interesting story because uh, again pre you know to 2020 uh, you have here is one a person who is actually working remotely and he's your cto he's, he's yeah. one of the leaders in your organization yeah, and yeah. not just that he's working from hubli uh which is not your you know top tier uh yeah. city yeah. so tell me a little bit about how you guys uh, coordinate collaborate uh, how does that experience of you know top level leadership being distributed uh, work for you guys sure so vinayak uh, you know started working from home sometime in 2012 so he's kind of a pioneer of, of work from home so he has always been there so he went back home his parents stay there and he built a home you know house there etc etc so he has been doing that forever uh, and uh, he has a uh, he's the cto architect he writes 95% of the code so he's the he's is the one who actually wrote the whole product from a technical point of view from a coding point of view and uh, he's you know i heard a term from someone called code tyrant so he is he is the raul dravid of coding where he, you know you you, you can't uh, write from the indentation uh, you know uh, to luckily you don't write you don't have to write you know, it's all you don't have to write with hand otherwise you would have had a hard time with handwriting and things like that so he's he's very very specific with uh, with things and he's super productive and that has been what is the you know when we were we were the 50 people mode where mm-hmm. he had a lot of developers who used to work with him he almost never used to get time to do his things his coding and because he's you know continuously reviewing code helping others trying to tell them what to do etc etc and the push to you know go small came from him so you know mm-hmm. saying that you know it, it is i'll deliver you whatever you want but you know if you are going to uh, have so many people under me then you know at the end of the day at the end of the week when i sit on my own and think about what did i achieve in this week i don't have anything to show and it's really bothering me it's really frustrating etc etc and that's when i said okay let's cut him loose and you know you do your thing and after a week or so you know month or so i was asking him so how do you feel now he's like i feel like a bachelor you know no response <laughs> i have no responsibility anymore so you know it's like good old days of doing whatever you want to do so uh, so he has been doing that so how how does it work so he he in the first place has a very different working style working habits and things like that so he gets up very early in the morning mm-hmm. uh, so by 6 uh, you know he has already checked his mails and started work etc etc 
so we have a call in the morning so he's very the reason why it has worked well is he's very good at communication mm. uh, and which is what is probably the single most thing that that you need to have working remotely or you know for for that matter even non remotely right. but he's supremely good at communication beat be return or speaking uh, he calls me you know we have a short call uh, you know typically 10 15 minutes and you know we talk about what is he going to do uh, what is he working on and any other client related issues you know any other technical issues that has come up uh, and during the day you know if he has done with something and he wants to give a demo etc we have a quick demo and look at what he has done exchange feedback mm-hmm. the so that is one reason the why it has worked out well the second reason is also is not a yes yes man in in terms mm-hmm. of just saying you know because as a programmer as developers that is the biggest problem that 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 you face with people that they look at everything as a coding problem so you just give them a problem they'll go and solve it it does not matter what it is you build you want someone to build a three legged table they'll build it so they'll not ask what happened to the other leg right so so uh, you know vishal sikka who, who joined infosys as the ceo and said that you know indians are very good at problem solving mm-hmm. but they're not good at problem finding so you know you give them a problem they'll google you know copy paste from stack overflow here there and the problem is solved but they'll not come back to you and say you know well you know this this there's already a solution for this there's already a work around this the you know, things like that they'll not find old senior but that's what vinayak does so you know he will say oh well this you know this is not how you start. even going even if the request has come from the customer you know we push back and say no no we are not going to do this because of x y z reasons just because you are doing something wrong does not mean that we have to keep supporting all kinds of features in the product even you know small is good is also applies to your product you know that you don't just go on adding 100 features just because trying to make everyone happy so those kinds of pushback from him is is uh, is important and he oh, you know so so those two things uh, apart from him being uh, you know super productive super uh, you know techy guy this combination of uh, you know ma you know very good programming skills very good technical skills and that applies to his you know in depth knowledge in databases in depth knowledge in linux in depth knowledge in uh, you know java etc etc uh he's a great uh, he's great communicator mm. uh, great guy in terms of uh, you know design understanding of the big picture mm. you know asking not rushing so he is always working on his pen and paper and that's something that he tells everyone that close your computer you know when you're when you're trying to solve a problem and trying to understand draw everything on your book you know come up with that's when you actually understand what the problem is instead of just trying to open a cpp file or a java file and you know start solving problems so yeah so he's been a he's been a one of you know someone who has done this for the last 8 10 years and that gives him that independence the the having to have his own schedule uh, not being distracted by others and and he has very specific way of doing things too so he, and anyone needs his help he'll say okay after 3 pm once i have lunch come back then i'm all yours you know so so we'll we'll figure all this any calls any demos you know let me work on my problems until that and unless it's obviously a production server has crashed and someone needs his help etc etc but most things can wait you know we are not uh, we are not in the you know doctors in icu that things can't wait i mean in some sense they talk about these 10x engineers right but if you actually yeah. see the components of what makes someone like 10x person it is 
yeah. not just your technical ability but yeah. just yeah. productivity communication yeah. Yeah. structuring Absolutely. right all Absolutely. that goes Absolutely. into being yeah. that uh, 10x person i think the last thing is to let the 10x person be the 10x be person the 10X. not <laughs> not make him a 1x person you know yeah yeah by, yeah what you what you design so yeah. shrikan bef- uh, you know before we talk about a few more uh, topics i want to you know we always have a quiz question as part of the smart cast and i know that you have uh, you know you have some leg up on our other participants because you've heard a lot of our questions you know you participated <laughs> in some of them so you know how we think so here's the first question for you uh, today so this is a question on cricket and i, I know you you are into cricket you like to follow the history of the sport so here's a question from the 1985-86 uh, india series okay <laughs> so in that uh, season um, before leaving for australia this indian cricketer added an extra letter to his name for numerological reasons he wanted it to be a nine letter name so who is this person is he my namesake that is that would be krishnamachari shrikan absolutely that is krishnamachari shrikan <laughs> so you know one of the early kind of characters in the indian team you know kind of, yeah, of uh, if he had been i think in the in this a current age i'm sure he would have been all over social media as a player <laughs> and uh, you yeah. know he had a lot of crazy temperament and swashbuckling so uh, you know uh, it's speaking of cricket uh, what what have been your you know what are your kinds of cricketers are there the rahul dravid kinds of characters or is it the rishabh pant kind of characters so first about krishnamachari shrikan so he used to be my uh, you know when i was so 80s was when i was like in my 10s 10 year 15 year 20 year time krishnamachari shrikan was was our favorite at that right. time for for his mannerism the way he used to bat and he was the original t20 player at that right. time when there was no t20 right and uh, and the other thing is other than being sharing a name we also share nickname So, oh, uh, so yeah. So I let you figure that. Out. What is the nickname? It's also a nickname of uh, Virat Kohli. Oh yeah, so, Chika, right? Chika and Chiku. Yeah. Chika, Chiku, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, going back to cricket, yeah, definitely the Rahul Dravid and the Cheteshwar Pujara guys. So I don't pretty much don't watch uh, one days and T uh, Twenties. Uh, uh, I watch all Test matches. In fact, the one you are you are in between my Test match. <laughs> so uh, one of the in fact before this australia series you know got so much hyped up and mm-hmm. uh, you know all this hangama that happened before that uh, i was uh, one decision that i had made was that i want to watch every test match that happens in india and that gives me an opportunity to travel as well as uh, not miss uh, good matches and uh, obviously that's a super ambitious and i know maybe i'll meet a 50% target of that and that was also because i was reading you know clive lloyd's autobiography mm-hmm. and i felt very bad uh, of having missed all the you know tendulkar era dravid era and uh, uh, you know not seen a single test match uh, you know so many great you know cricketers came and went lara you know all these guys not seeing them even once live was uh, made me feel very very uh, bad so i had made the decision and this thing happened so i'm hoping to go to ahmedabad next uh, you know at the end of this month to see the day and night uh, test match uh, if they open for the crowd so definitely the rahul dravid the test match characters i think uh, 
you know people people obviously find it very boring for very valid reasons hmm. uh, uh, but um, i i love test match great okay so let's uh, since you spoke about t20s and 2020 let's come back to that topic so you know like many other companies uh, krishagni had an office in pune uh, before the lockdowns happened so a year later what has changed in the way you operate and what surprised you if at all uh, about this shift <laughs> the the change is that we don't have the office anymore <laughs> so we 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 officially log, you know uh, we are working from home and also we don't have an office so we log, we we gave up the lease we closed the office we moved out our stuff so from from pretty much in june as soon as they opened the lockdown that was the first thing that i did uh and told people not to expect uh, to come back to pune and work in an office until say march and now i'm telling until the end of this year mm-hmm. and uh, unless i see you know really get a big pushback from our employees and say we want to sit together somewhere so what we have been planning to do is do a monthly you know company meet somewhere and trying to figure how that works etc but uh, yeah so that is from a physical operational point of view you know we are no more and uh, we have we we don't have an address uh, so my home home is now the office official office address so what uh, so that was the big change and uh, but with vinayak being uh, uh, you know uh, remote always and i had a working style where i used to go to office in the morning about say 9:30 10 but i used to come back by 2:33 to office and i used to continue from home even that was my standard working style mm-hmm. all throughout before too uh, so uh, so it was kind of you know i was we were all and also uh, more than two two about two to three people were always working from home even some of them were living in pune had a guy used to work in jalandhar Uh, you know uh, there were there were a couple of ladies who had say health issues or wanted to take care of the kids etc etc so they wanted to work. so we had you know it was not right. a big big change in terms of uh, operations or mentality or thinking about it you know we were always very lenient about uh, letting people i used to tell people who is to go on say a week off to to nagpur to meet their parents i used to say take two weeks off do one week work from home you know stay at home you know you're going you know what is the hurry to come back right so that always was our this one the the surprise uh, for me was that uh, uh, how much it didn't matter you know the the whole office uh, you know having so much uh, effort that goes into maintaining an office correct uh, you figure out that well all this was not even needed so <laughs> the, uh, you know and uh, obviously there are downsides to it especially all those right. uh, you know uh, dis- uh, discussions team building team bonding and uh, there is no doubt that those are all very important and uh, keeps people together and uh, you know keeps them but then the you know, having to do that every day you know right. having spending an hour in commute and when you spend an hour in commute it's not just one hour that you're wasting now after you you have to get half an hour one hour to get ready and when you know that you have to leave at 9 your brain starts shutting off you know two hours before that and and if you have traveled one hour you know you can't just come and start like switch on right so you are too tired now or you know you might not be feeling tired but mentally you are not there then you get up and have a coffee and you know with chit chat so the whole process is very very um, disruptive or whatever you know so 
uh, saving all that time being peacefully especially in our kind of work where you are it's more where you are uh, you know product development etc which needs bit more uh, you know focused time etc so it works out very well we just need to figure out a way where we can get the best of both worlds uh, so one of the options that we did a few months back was to have you know we booked a room in one of the co-working spaces spent a whole day you know where you know, anyone who was nearby you know we were about six seven people who who were in pune or nearby so uh, some you know some of those things we should be able to do more uh, and figure out a way to to be in touch you know because obviously the rapport that comes with okay. you know face to face meetings etc is uh, not higher so yeah so that's been otherwise from a work point of view i won't say that the productivity has gone down or gone up i think uh, uh, from a purely from a productivity point of view especially in a small team either it's difficult to figure out or it's been same you know people have been uh, as productive or as not productive before but uh, you know i think mentally and physically you know in general it's a lot more peaceful this way right it it, it would take a lot to drag me out of home to <laughs> go to office <laughs> on a daily basis right so i mean we we have done some work for you right and one of the things that you have encouraged uh, you know us to also think about is how to get this group in different situations like once we've gone to a local park sometimes yeah. we've you know used different parts of your office for different situations so um, this coming together for this purpose you know right not just to kind of uh, just be near each other but to do something together Yeah. Uh, in interesting ways and also use other learning opportunity tell yeah. me more about uh, how you have tried to do that uh, in the last uh, 12 years given all these different constraints so we did uh, a couple of things that uh, that worked uh, very well so one thing that we did is that um, we started two calls every week mm-hmm. uh, you know one is on a tuesday afternoon and a friday afternoon where uh, people give a 30 minute talk on pretty much whatever subject they want to give okay. so uh, it's a company wide call uh, and uh, non work typically non work related uh, a tuesday's call can have work related topic if they learned something new but the friday call has to be a non work related topic so uh, you know last week someone talked about the game stop uh, you know stock thing uh, someone talked about Uh, you know what is the best way to organize a party at so <laughs> you know so things like that so um, purnima gave a talk on bird watching some time back you know things like that so you know it can be uh, anything and everything uh, just yesterday uh, or rather coming up uh, friday there is a talk on the last lecture video mm-hmm. uh, you know someone watched that video made a concise uh, summary on what they liked and you know Or learnings from it, things like that. So, the, what what this uh, the goal here is that one people get uh, an opportunity to talk, public speaking, opportunity to prepare, uh, opportunity to do something on their own. And since it is not work related and a topic that they chose, it should be you know uh, more interesting for them to do that. You know, more encouraging uh, for them to do that. So. Uh, and also for others it's kind of you know get to know some new topic you know maybe start a new thread in your brain about oh, okay let me figure out what this is the you know and at the end of it it might it not you know since most of them are doing it for the first time and it's not a regular thing that they do etc 
and it not might it, it there might be problems or the way it was presented so it is a very good learning opportunity for everyone as to what not to do what to do and so that that kind of and uh, it is usually followed with the 30 minute of fun sessions mm-hmm. which we you know copied a lot of ideas that you guys uh, did and otherwise you know people figured out other kinds of games or uh, quizzes and you know whatever so again an opportunity where you know people uh, you know trying to do something on their own rather than because there is a even who conducts the fun session also changes every week right. so there is a you know so that gets decided there's one one person who actually you know monitors and then gives the next there's a calendar who is doing what and things nice. like that so uh, so even for her who is managing this it's also a good opportunity in terms of project management people management tracking them asking them did you finalize a topic did you finish your ppt right. so that in the last minute you know you get up on <laughs> friday morning and try to put something together right so uh, if you take everything in the right spirit all of this is good learning opportunities so the, one of, so that worked very well uh, the uh, the other one is uh, you know uh, a couple of other things we encouraged a lot uh, of um, say uh, exercise gym yoga kind of thing so we now even sponsor yoga uh, if someone enrolls for uh, yoga uh and we talk a lot of those things you know things like that because sitting at home is is a is a is a can be a big problem with immunity in general mm-hmm. because uh, you know not just from your posture and all those things if you don't if you're not going out on an everyday basis uh, you know it it can be it it can be very bad for your immunity so we've been talking a lot of those things also in our company calls etc and encouraging people to uh join gym join uh, online workouts or online yoga etc uh, and you know that has also had good uh, you know response and uh, people have been you know taking it up and and uh, the other thing thanks to you guys has been the culture of book reading mm-hmm. uh, or in general reading so um, you know couple of them are enrolled to your uh, you know reading compound initiative mm-hmm. uh, and that has also had a positive impact on a lot of people Uh, uh you know taking up on on those kinds of activities and coming back and talking about what they did what they learned and uh, things like that so uh, that's that's pretty much uh, what we have been doing um though yeah so we need to do you know we need to do a bit more in terms of especially now that the fear of the pandemic has resided etc and actually trying to get people together once in a month uh for for uh, brainstorming sessions and learning sessions and just spending time together uh, uh, uh sorry so i missed one of the other things that we did so uh you know how much ever you talk to people about you know spend some time learning do every day one hour learning etc etc for uh, for all uh, you know and it's also some of these things are those simple but not easy easy but but not simple it's easy to say you know what you got 24 hours in a day can't you do one hour yoga every day so but it never happens right so uh, what we did now is that for the last 3 uh, months or so uh, everyone gets a day off once in two weeks okay. and that day is fixed for that person so it has to be on the calendar and everyone else also knows that this specific person is off so one day before they they post it on the chat saying tomorrow i am not there it's my learning day so they get one full day of no work uh, not having to work on the, obviously right. unless they are there's a super critical production issue etc etc right. and uh, we decide beforehand what are they going to do 
uh, on on that day uh, what i would like them to cover and uh, and it has some intersection of what they want to do and what i would like them to do and that has uh, and i can and that is something that you know, even you know the not having the pressure you know doing things in a relaxed mind Correct. where you are not worried about having to finish some task and invariably you get stuck in that task so something that is one hour takes four hours and then um, you know you, you are already you know fatigued and things like that so not having to do anything else other than focusing on very small learning uh, you know achievement and maybe ending the day with one hour of reading some articles etc etc and then you send out a summary of what you did has worked out very well and uh, initially interestingly i first proposed it to a few seniors in the office mm-hmm. you know and uh, then i saw that okay it's not really getting accepted well so then i got hold of the juniors and i knew the juniors would listen to me more <laughs> than the seniors so uh, and so now i see that you know it's catching up and most people are doing it and it has worked really well in terms of uh, the the you know their enthusiasm to do it as well as what they achieve in that one day is considerable you know con- com- right. the and it also gives you momentum for the rest of the week so you know something is left then you have something to uh, you know uh, uh, during the weekdays etc you'll put some time in figuring it out but if, if finally you need you know the kind of work that we need we do you need deep focus time of right. long period to do things you know it's not like you do one hour close it and you do something else and you continue so you know, for all said and done you need really long periods of you know focus time so this this initiative had has you know encouraged me a lot made me feel good about you know this specific idea and we'll see i mean this is fairly new because it's hardly two or three months now uh, over a period of one year we'll see how well it works and something really worth worth investing on uh, your people right correct now uh, what i took away from what you said the range of things that you said was one um you know making it somewhat of a cadence where it is planned and there are different people doing it not just one person trying to drive everything top down yeah. um helps so that uh, you know this it, it can it's resilient it doesn't matter if that person is not there that day the show just Correct. goes on and also i think this uh, expanding it beyond just like this 10 minute 15 minute or one half an hour but giving yourself both those options uh, yeah. on you know regular working days you need these short bursts on other days you want these deeper immersion uh, is very interesting so but you as someone you know you don't have an hr department you don't have an lnd department uh, so what do you do for yourself because you are telling you are trying to give this message how do you model the same message yourself sure so yeah we we have no in a warheads <laughs> in the, you know so uh, in fact when i talked about the 10 15 people uh, company size that we are so we do everything in those 10 15 people so we have we do the sales and marketing of the product sitting in pune we do the support customer support technical support end user support training product development you know legacy data migration customer onboarding you say <laughs> the whole spectrum is covered within those 10 15 people team so and a lot of people are all rounders they do you know customer support technical support legacy data migration everything on their own so uh, yeah so coming back uh, one you know i was just telling someone that even i need to do this one day in two weeks off time uh, because one is 
know, you, you got to do what you preach <laughs> as well as something that I'm, I'm starting, starting to feel jealous of those guys being in at the end of the day, sending an email that I did so many things and I'm like, okay, if, if I have to send an email at the end of the day as to what I did, most times I don't have anything concrete to show. So uh, other than that, my working style also has been that, you know, because most of the, you know, I, I either have, you know, I don't code, so I don't really have that uh, kind of thing. So I'm either dealing with emails, documents, etc. Uh, the other times are when I have to, you know, respond to a proposal and, you know, where I really need that long time where I totally shut out chat, emails and things like that and just work on that. But so because of the uh, most of my, you know, 70, 80% of the time I'm dealing with short bursts of different, different uh, uh, problems, uh, emails, calls, etc. I do take a lot of breaks in between. You know, so I, I, so, I, so that way I work you know, longer hours in terms of duration. But, you know, I go uh, off from my laptop and sit in that inner terrace, etc., read books or read articles, etc. And also, I engage my, myself in a lot of uh, non-work-related things, like, say, understanding the, you know, keeping up with the stock market, politics, Trump, you know, Rihanna, all <laughs> So, uh, and, and one thing that I figured out, which is, uh, you know, a learning, uh, so to say, based on personal experience, as well as, say, you know, people like Warren Buffet, etc., mm-hmm. where to get to uh, to become good at something, you don't need to be doing that a lot. You know, you need mm-hmm. to close that and be... So, I uh, what w- what I started doing more and more now is to not to do anything mm-hmm. uh, during, uh, for example, do things like gardening. Where you are not, you know, you are not reading something or reading, you know, right. social media, etc. Where you are cooking, gardening, mm-hmm. uh, cycling, etc. Where uh, and also doing those things without putting your headset, audible, right. uh, you know, kind of thing. So and that's when most of your good ideas, most of the problems that you have been thinking about, good product ideas, good features, mm-hmm. you know, and then immediately call Vinayak and have a discussion with him, saying, you know, about this. And most times. You know, once you once you know what you want to do, doing it is the easier part. Mm. You know, trying to get what you want to do and getting that design right, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is what is difficult. And uh, so uh, that is something that I do a lot. You know, I am uh, you know spending a lot of time, say, cleaning the terrace, cleaning the bathroom, and all those kinds of things, where uh, you know you are busy doing something, but you you get time to think. Uh, and that's something that and and that is something I think. Helps a lot in terms of uh, coming. So you know, there was this article that I shared recently about if you're stuck with something, take a walk. And right. so you know, um, uh, all solutions to problem is to take a walk, leave that problem, and you know, go for a walk. And uh, now I say take a walk without your headset. So, mm. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yeah, I I've not been a great reader. You know, mm. I, again something that I'm always jealous about people like you, uh, especially you know, if if I was born in America or to rich parents, I would, you know, they would have diagnosed me as ACHD or whatever, you know, when I was gay, you know, I was a very unfocused, very, even now I can't, you know, focus deep on things or, you know, read a book without, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm always shaking my legs and, you know, things like that. In, in fact, one of my clients asked Purnima whether he has ACHD because I was sitting in a dinner and I was continuously doing this. And you know, so, so I was doing that. I was shaking my legs. So she, she kind of. So anyway, so uh, but in the last four or five years since uh, you know I, I realized the importance of doing that, 
I have been forcing myself to do that and typically picking up books that interest me, things like mm. cricket, uh, politics, history, and not just reading books for the sake of becoming better, right? Mm. You start reading self-help books and things like that. And that typically, you know, that's where I lose my focus. Mm. But when I'm reading a good story that I like, uh, you know, uh, I would finish a book in a day or two. Uh, I remember Sanjay Manjrekar's autobiography. Mm. I finished very quickly and things like that. So I was very surprised with, with that. So uh, I started doing that and that helped a lot. And also what I figured out is that when you read a cricketer's book, mm. for example, it's not just the cricket part of it that you learn. Right. You learn a lot of, you know, uh, uh, what is it that he calls in the last lecture, fake, fake head or something. Mm. Like that. So mm. secondary learning, right? So right. Uh, for example, I was reading Warren Buffet's book, uh, Snowball. Mm. And uh, he talks about how when he was a kid, he used to always criticize people and always, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, not happy with what, how others, because since childhood, he was always managing one or the other business and had his friends work for him, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's when he read, you know, the, uh, some book that I forgot. So which talks about, you know, you're not going to get anything out of guys if you criticize them. You know, even the, whatever 10, 15% they're doing, they're not going to do it. So don't do, you know, stop criticizing people. And that was a big lesson for me because I was, I was someone who was, and that's something that I'm trying to fix. Whereas, and also the same book, when it goes out, it talks about Charlie Munger hmm. having a philosophy of have very low expectation. You know, it's okay. very contrary to otherwise, you know, raise the bar and all those <laughs> typical, uh, you know, management topic. Uh, but in, but he said, you know, key to happiness is low expectation. So okay. now, you know, be it been family, relationships, office, boss, employee, have low expectation, then you're happy, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, you don't expect this to go and learn from a Warren Buffet book. Okay. And that was the point that I was making. You would, you would go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to become you know, good at investing and finance, learn how to manage money, etc. But if you keep an eye, open eye uh, on, on these things, you will find a lot of different kinds of learnings uh, from whatever little that you read. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that helped a lot. I think a lot of what you said... Um also is borne out by you know research so for example things like uh, allowing your brain the space to think by focusing on yeah. something else right so that's yeah, 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 now yeah. an accepted form of learning similarly yeah. uh, learning by exploring your interests and not necessarily yeah. Yeah, you don't have to read a management book to learn about management you can absolutely from absolutely. your yeah, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. our most recent test series victory will probably yeah. teach generations yeah. more about yeah. you know yeah, management yeah. than uh, a book yeah. can hey, so, yeah the the you know probably you are better off not reading management books <laughs> and in fact if you you know if you talk about test series the last test series of India Australia is such a big lesson in terms of mentoring juniors you know giving them opportunities and how overly dependent on one or two guys is not really important and you don't you know if if someone senior leaves or goes it's not really end of the world etc it's such a uh, such a big lesson if you if you keep your eye open and look for you know I'm sure even in a horrible Bollywood movie, there would be something to learn. Correct. So uh, that actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, which is, so there is this idea of a principal agent problem. You know, the idea that uh, as someone who's an owner, founder, creator, uh, creating that same level of ownership from your next term, from your junior employees is typically very hard. And a lot of small uh, companies have this you know, big gap between the top tier and the next tier. So uh, how have you tried to approach this? Is it now a case of low expectations? By the way, 
this book called genome by a british writer matt ridley which talks about the genome uh, there is a one takeaway i had from that was uh, low expectations are good for your body you know it reduces stress <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's actually yeah. good at a physical level as well so yeah. you know coming back to this principal agent problem how do you get your agents to you know become principals because i'm sure that's what you want to do you don't want to treat everyone like an agent all the time yeah um, uh, the what you uh, what you see is that in these things are not you know while you obviously you want people to have that obviously you uh, work with people to uh, you know kind of uh, get that perspective get that understanding etc but at the end of the day you also have to understand that one is so these things are are not uh, not something that that will uh, you know automatically come unless someone starts building that kind of uh, mentality and uh, you know the the it might happen a, a very junior person and it also a lot of personal attitudes personal mm-hmm. approaches how you handle things and you know I, i i had guys who after resigning until the last day would work until 10 in the night to make sure that you know everything is done and you know everything is uh, the client problems or issues etc versus others you know who are you know who, who who might not have that kind of ownership so some of these things are very inbuilt mm-hmm. uh, and also some of these things get built you know over a period of time when you know, you, you know it, it just happens uh, and uh, though i what i what i experienced is that irrespective these things won't happen just by you trying to drill that you know in people's heads saying oh you need to take more ownership ownership and this. because finally people have different priorities you know people have their own sets of problems people have their own priorities people have their own way of looking at things uh, and finally we also have to finally understand that okay you 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 have you are the founder or you are the ceo you are the manager whatever you know at the same time you know they don't it's not necessary that they have that kind of ownership with with what you do so uh, therefore uh, having that level of expectation is also wrong at some you know so it's the if someone surprises you it's it's well and good and you 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 have to keep an eye open to uh, to such kind of people give them the encouragement and give them the opportunities to do more and more things when they when you see that you know they are displaying that skills but if it does not happen it should not bother you is 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 what i feel so i had all those you know i expectation i went through all those phases and uh, of of try- because when you make that the kind of your focus uh, or one of your focuses or whatever it it starts becoming very difficult in getting your normal work done so it's uh, but but when you see because you don't need when you see that kind of spark in people it might be a very junior person it might be a senior person or whatever then you start feeding you know fertilizing that you start feeding more and more uh, you know give them better work give them challenging tasks to do get them engaged in uh, you know with the client with you know bigger problems etc then that is a probably a better way of doing it right so you know take the take a walk on the terrace and Uh, also feed the fertilizers or the nurture this yeah. kind of a garden as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So Shrikant, uh, we are almost at the end of our time. So before we go, uh, I have a couple of quick questions for you. Um, one is that uh, it, it looks like, uh, especially after 2020, it looks like biology-related startups, biotech, bioinformatics, all 
are set to boom. Uh, so do you see any major opportunities for uh, you know, technologists among our listeners and viewers? Uh, you know, what, what do you see as the future for this, all these different spaces? Yeah, so uh, definitely, like we see in our own business, a lot of new work, uh, new customers who would otherwise have taken a long time to enroll are now within a matter of weeks, the contracts are getting signed quicker. Uh, people whom we have been talking to for years, you know, now it's much quicker uh, to do that. So obviously there is a, and and with the government change now, there probably is going to be in, in the US, uh, going to be a lot more money allocated for funding because we, in general, research uh, depends on government funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, all those, uh, all that is great. And also the, the, the commercial healthcare side of things is also changing a lot of uh, focus on telemedicine, uh, you know, remote medicine, et cetera. One of my friends is uh, doing something in that. So uh, all, all that is great opportunities. But then it also uh, do coming up with product ideas or, uh, you know, on, on the other side, coming up with good product ideas, but then ideas are cheap. There are you know thousands of amazing ideas. The implementation, the uh, the product fit, the market fit, all those kinds of uh, you know. Finally, the the source code or developing the product is ten percent of the problem. You know everything else is the much bigger problem, and that's where the uh, you know whether you want to remain bootstrapped, funded, all those kinds of issues comes into picture. So uh, the you know, technology wise, I think there are a lot of and if you just look at India, well, and I'm surprised the same in developed countries like US, for example, a lot of people whom we onboard and these are like top-notch research, research, research centers. Like we started working with Oxford in the last year. We work with centers like, you know, say Stanford, Hopkins. Many of them are still recording data in Excel sheets. Okay. And so, uh, you know, it's, and if you now, which is not very different than say, you, know, you go to a Pune hospital or, mm. or uh, things like that. So, there's a huge opportunity in terms of you know digitization and uh, uh, EMR, the medical record kind of business, etc. But the barrier there is always that there's a lot of resistance from the people because they don't have enough trained staff to do such things. The the products are not user friendly. The you know it's not it, it takes too many clicks, too many you know clunky things, and a lot of these are legacy products, etc. So whoever you know, um, brings together a solution for all these problems uh, will be, will be, you know, will be successful in, in some sense. So uh, it's, it's a golden opportunity for, for people. So now we are, we're also coming up with one more product in consenting. So, you know, for every research project, you, you need to consent the patient. So this whole consent recording business is, is a business in the sense from a problem point of view. Is a complicated problem because uh, you need some patients will be able to do it from home. Some patients will need a lot of help. You know, there is a lot of it, it's and it has to be monitored. So many regulations on how someone got consented, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, all these are very interesting problems. So there are so many different problems that that uh, you know you can solve. Uh, yeah. yeah, and if someone were to you know want to get their uh, hands dirty, get started. Uh, they are a technologist, no idea about these fields. Uh, is there a good source that you would recommend to them to get started? Something to follow? Unless you have, a, a, you know, my my usual uh, 
way has been to follow uh, from a technology purely technology point of view if you are trying to learn products and things is to follow the the best open source solutions in that domain uh, because usually they are more vocal communities and uh, if you if you spot a problem that you are interested in and if you contact them they are very you know forthcoming they will even come on a call give you demos show you everything and those kinds of things so getting involved if you know what you want to do that is you already figured out okay i want to do something in consulting or emr etc uh, there are amazing products in each one of these domains so getting involved with those kinds of uh, initiatives or forums etc is, is but if you are generally you know looking for okay trying to you know cast a wide net etc i think uh, one one thing that again in the last one year that i was totally off social media other than linkedin i have no other social media presence you know until a year back uh, but until that is i discovered twitter to be you know i always thought of twitter as the toilet of the world you know it's all <laughs> <laughs> the you know the only trolling galigaroj and all those things happen but if you if you if you following the right kind of people uh, on twitter is 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 uh, i think worth any course uh, that that you would get you know it could be Uh, very focused things like okay writing so you know whom do i who are like whom do i follow for good writing related content so stocks cricket you know things like that so if you know what you are doing uh, and uh, you know following the right kind of people on twitter i think can be uh, is is a, is a is something that if can be very educational or you know um, give you sources of information that that's very hard to find all right so shrikant uh, on that note uh, thank you so much for talking about your journey and krishagni's journey so far uh, very interesting thoughts and i'm sure we'll do a follow up of this and find out what else you've been learning and exploring so, so thank thanks, you so thanks much thanks ramanand so you have been a reason why i had to get up and shave and get ready in the morning <laughs> which is something that i'm not used to doing so <laughs> thanks so, thanks so now now we know the secret to your personal grooming all right, <laughs> all right. thanks bye thank you bye bye